Welcome to part two of our series of Science Talk interviews with the scientists and other creative members of the team at Blue Sky Studios, which brings you the Ice Age animated films. Ice Age Dawn of the Dinosaurs is just out and playing everywhere, including in 3D at some theaters. The biggest event in two million years is about to go to a whole new dimension. Nobody move a muscle. We've been living above an entire world and we didn't even know it. I feel so puny. In this episode, we'll meet the Blue Sky Research and Development Team. Everyone introduces him or herself, with the exception of someone you'll hear called only Maurice. That's Maurice Van Swage, head of the R&D team. Hearing these R&D folks should convince any kids listening that one great way to get into the movie business is to study a lot of math and science. In fact, if you go to the FAQ page of their website, blueskystudios.com, you'll see tips about what to study if you're interested in getting involved in this kind of work. I'm Carl Ludwig. I'm one of the founders of the company. I'm chief technology officer. My background is electrical engineering, and um, I started out in aerospace, but I always was, when I was even a youngster, I was a very visual person. I was very interested in art and things of that nature. So I worked in aerospace for a number of years, and then from there I went... uh, and I started working with a, a company, a friend of mine from school, actually, and we uh, we developed some digital film recording stuff for NASA, for, for the Landsat program. And uh, <clears throat> that digital film recorder ended up getting us involved with the people at Magi, which is the company that did Tron, and from there um, I ended up working with Magi, and that's how I got into this business, because I went, I went over there and I saw what everyone was doing, I said, this is so cool, this is exactly the fit for me, mm-hmm. and so I got involved, and here at Blue Sky, you know, I'm responsible for all the technology and software, and I'm also uh, pretty much the person that writes the rendering software, and Eugene is, this is how we started out, Eugene does all the tracking software and the difficult mathematical uh, calculations uh, for the intersections, and then everything else, shadowing and all the the lighting and, and lighting techniques and diffusion, transmittance, and things of that nature are all things that I've been involved with. So rendering is it lends itself to me. I look out that window, and I see what's going on, and how do you get that? Why does it look the way it looks? Mm-hmm. What's going on there? And those physical characteristics, be it a cloud, be it a leaf, um, are the things that I'm able to use my technical background, mostly physics, uh, to get that to work the way we would like to see. So, you know, this team, everyone brings a great deal to the the table, and everyone has their areas of expertise and their unique qualities, and it's a beautifully balanced group. I'm Dick Hadzel. And I was trained as a physicist. I have a degree in physics. But pretty soon after I started, I realized I enjoyed programming computers more than playing with electronics and everything else that is involved in physics. So I got a job uh, working on just computers, and I've been doing it ever since. I'm uh, Trevor Thompson, uh, senior research associate. Um, My background is um, in uh, math and computer science as an undergraduate degree, and then my graduate work was actually in computer art. 
at uh, the School of Visual Arts in New York City, and that's how I met you know Carl and 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 the whole gang because they had a you know a couple of the founders were were uh, um, involved in the school as well, and once I came up here to visit, it was like this is the place to be. So I am Vinod Sengutwan. Um my undergraduate degree was in aerospace engineering and graduate degree was computational engineering. So I mostly did uh, physics-based simulations for my school. And then I moved here and continued to work on fluid simulations, smoke, and some collisions. Great. Thanks. Hi. I'm Michael Reed. Um, I have a physics undergrad and a CS grad. And um, I work here mostly on uh, geometry problems and rendering. Geometry problems. Geometry problems. Well, the, I mean, the problems here break down to different flavors. There's flavors depending on what the look is, how things look when they show up in an image, and then there are problems that are based on basically the geometry in the scene. And I mostly work on problems with the geometry in the scene. Uh, my name is Gates Robert Clark, and I'm a research associate. I started out as a lighting TA. My undergrad is in computer science. And uh, then I went into production engineering here, which is like tool development for the studio and each production and I'm pretty much continuing that work from the research side of it and uh, developing tools for lighting animation whatever department really needs it tools is software software to help the artists develop you know the look and basically some of the tools I've written help them figure out what's going on in the scene and Hi, I'm Jitendra Borse. I'm originally from Mumbai. That's where I did my master, uh, undergrad in computer science, and then I did my master's at North Carolina State University. Mm-hmm. And after that, I've been was lucky to get my first job here. Since then, I've been working on different tools to generate. I've been working on for a while on this tool, where if you have to generate a forest or something, rather than like someone going in and bringing in like thousands or several thousand trees, you can do it procedurally, where they can say, hey. This is the kind of look we want, and we want to place a certain bunch of objects. So those kind of softwares I've been working on here. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. simplify the whole process of a really complex environment. Yeah, kind of make it a little automated and, you know, and give them some controls to fine-tune it. Uh, I'm Sean McDuffie. I just started here like three weeks ago. I'm just working for the summer. Um, I have undergrad background in physics. I worked in particle physics for a while, for a couple years, mostly particle accelerators. I got involved with some image processing stuff, met some graphics guys, realized I didn't want to do that anymore, and graphics is a lot more fun, and I had art involved into it with it too. Um, so I went back to school, and I'm finishing up a master's in computer science, focusing on graphics. Hi, my name is Quinn Din. Um, I'm a new hire here. Um, my undergraduate degree was in computer engineering, and then I did a computer science for uh, my graduate degree. Uh, prior to this, I was a uh, faculty in computer science for s- about six years. And what I really find fascinating is the difference, the contrast between uh, res- academic research and research um, here, where you really have to build solutions that fit within the production pipeline. Um, and um, yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty much uh, just interested in all of the graphics-related problems of geometry and rendering. Hi there, my name's uh, Sean Palmer, and actually uh, my undergraduate is in uh, fine art, actually. I studied... Uh, what are you doing in here? <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, it's a long story. I've been a Blue Sky for about uh, four years now, but I actually started off as an effects technical director, and that was primarily like visual solutions with some scripting and some, uh, you know, some light programming, you know, but again, very sort of results-driven, like putting out shot work and things like that. But over time, I became more interested in sort of the technical solutions and coming up with 
I guess, more effective, elegant ways to address visual problems that we have here. Like one thing is always like the amount of data required to represent a complex scene and how to best optimize that to create, you know, sort of a visual result that's just as appealing but can be done in, you know, minutes instead of hours or, you know, or even hours instead of weeks, you know. So uh, as part of that, I, I started working with Maurice, uh, you know, who uh, is the manager of the group. And uh, uh, kind of through that um, collaboration, I became more and more interested in working in uh, R&D. So I came over uh, last June, actually, and I've been uh, working since then on the uh, particle and uh, fur rendering technology that we have here, which is completely proprietary and uh Again, just just working on ways to sort of further optimize and, and structure that to give the artists like the tools that they need to get the stuff uh, rendered and out the door as efficiently as possible. That's great. Let me ask you, Maurice, what's uh, what's the basic mission of R and D here? It's it's kind of two things. One is to identify what artists are struggling with and what we can do to make their life easier. And, but on the other hand, it, we also have to, uh, look at, you know, the, the problem of, uh, replicating or showing nature in a computer generated image and find new ways to do that. It's, it's quite fun to, uh, build a tool that does a certain thing for an artist and then see how they can use and misuse sometimes. It to create wonderful things. It's it's a real fun environment that way, and and I wouldn't want it any any other way. It's 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 really just problem solving is great too. But doing finding something that that you like to do and building a little gadget for somebody to use in a creative way. It's it's great. It's fantastic. What are some of the? Well, you talk about fur. I mean, I remember when when this whole world started. I used to always hear. People talk about how difficult it was to do water. But when you're doing fur, you know, what, what are the challenges in fur? Just, there's so much of it on any individual organism? Well, there's that in the way it gets rendered. Maurice is really the, 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 the guy who started down that road and he's really done a fantastic job. Um, but it's the idea of how do you begin to take care of all these little details? And render them properly because they're so tiny. So, you know, the approach that, that he's taken is it draws on some work that's been done, but it, it, it's unique. And, and, uh, the tools that have been written to control the way things are groomed are also very, very powerful. And it lends itself again to the way we, we render with ray tracing, which gives us an advantage in that these are things that are rendered not too difficultly mm-hmm. with a ray tracing approach. Maurice, if you want to fill in some more. No, I, I think you said it. it. But what's kind of funny about it is that uh, the approach is almost accidental because it started out as a, a method to render particles, and that's what it's still called. And at some point I thought, well, if I can run, render points, why not lines and spines Mm-hmm. Hair-like things, and that's just how it like rolled around, and then it looked so great right away that it seemed obvious that that was the method to to pursue. And one of the things I'm really proud about is is uh, as a team effort, we built tools to groom uh, fur on animals. That was one of the challenges in the you know the basic approach that others had taken was to 
to be like a hairdresser to take like a, a, a virtual comb and maybe virtual scissors and then do the grooming that way. But it's it's very uh, it's a lot of work. And then if things if the if a director says no, I really want the haircut a little differently, you have to start over. Mm. And so we build these tools that are they're kind of complicated at first and uh, and sometimes daunting for an artist but they basically create flow they create vector fields mm-hmm. around objects with various tools you you have magnets to pull the vector to you or push the vectors away from you or line them up with something or not line them up or you know do things with them that way and that produced such a great tool that once the artist got used to it they created these like crazy effects with it. A while back, I, I went back to uh, get the, my master's degree in uh, scientific computing. I went uh, to Quanta Institute at NYU. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, you know, in, in that setting, it's math and computation. And all they care about is, is your computation correct to a certain error? Very much, scientific computing is very much about that. It's about, you know, being able to say, I'm right within that tolerance. And that's all, you know, computing the tolerance and knowing, proving that, you, that you're right. So applying some of these tools in our field, at some point I had to realize the math says it's correct within this tolerance, but my eye says it's not right. There's something wrong about it. And and it 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 was a, a quite a discovery on my own end that I had to say, no, all methods are not the same because often you know in 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 the scientific computing you can do things in different ways, but mathematically they're all the same. They all have the same error tolerance, but when you look at the image, you say no, this clearly is much better than that. Although this the mathematical science of it says that they're the same. And I think with, with some of our uh, volume rendering of, of smog, we have the same kind of problem. We're doing these Monte Carlo integrations, and you can prove that this integration has the same error as that integration. But when you look at it, there's discontinuities, there's problems that, as a visual, as a visual result, is, are not good, even though mathematically the problem is solved. And that's kind of very interesting. I, I really didn't think that. I, I thought I'm going to do scientific computing. They tell me how to compute things, and that is, and that's the end of it. But it wasn't, and that was a, quite a discovery. When we're doing things visually, it's always the visual quality that matters in the end because we're making a movie and we're making imagery. So the precision, what you have to do is you constantly have to do this iterative study where you where you basically do the scientific work, then you look at the image, then you look at reality, and you see what's different and why. And you discover after a while, you know, and this is the things that that Maurice discovered, um, that some things are more important than other things from a visual standpoint. So you spend the time computing those things which are more important, that you attach a higher importance to, and you don't spend as much time doing those things that really don't affect things visually much at all. And you're constantly making those judgments about what needs to be computed more accurately and what can be afforded to just be computationally average. 
do you ever look at the 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 neurology of vision and use that in in your yes. work? Yes, you know when, when we when we do a lot of studies, you know about how to get noise reduction in Monte Carlo integration um, from a visual standpoint. You know, one of the things you look at is, you know, you look at the character of the eye and what's happening there and the way the sensors are distributed and things like that. And you discover that, you know, obviously, you know, pseudo-random distributions are very, very good. Poisson distribution is ideal, but it's expensive to compute. So you look always for, for distributions and things that visually are going to give you better results. We just had an article by Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller contributed, an actual neurologist wrote the article, and discussed that in magic sometimes it's not just a question of distraction and you don't realize you saw it, but because of the neurology of the, the eye and the brain, you literally cannot see the thing that the magician's yeah. pulling out on, on the stage. So, yeah. but, but of course, the magicians figured that out before the neurologists <laughs> did. It is interesting because there is, you know, definitely those two sides. Because there's definitely the scientist side and then the the magician side. You know, so it's it's a it's a good analogy because you really find, especially, you know, one of our you know biggest issues is finding ways to optimize as much as possible, and you can use those ideas, those concepts, you know, to to really find ways where you don't need to represent, you know, a fully accurate model of something, and and because of that. You know, you can find ways to, you know, compute things more optimally or, or just save lots of time in the render. And in other cases, like, you know, one example that we had was just scenes with an incredible amounts of motion blur. We didn't need to build as much fur in those scenes because by the time everything had been averaged and, and you got the final image, you know, you can optimize quite a bit and come out with a image that is the same quality as, as what you would have experienced if you had actually computed, you know, all the extra, you know, computation and done the extra, you know, uh, time for the render. So there is that aspect. But it's of it, also yeah. the other way around. Yeah. Sometimes you think, dang, your eye just picks something up and you just can't believe it. You think it's all continuous. There is, can't be any problem. And yet your eye sees something and where is it coming from? And, all, and like often your eye just makes up things. Like one, one of the other things that I discovered sort of recently and I'm like, how did I discover this only recently? If you take a, a bitmap image, you know, with pixels, each pixel has a constant value, basically. If it's far away, the pixels are very tiny and you can't see them. If you zoom in and the pixels get bigger and bigger, what you end up seeing is that it, it looks like the pixels are not constant value anymore. You should do this once. You should try this out. What you, what you start seeing is like as if there's ridges around the pixels. You think, but it's not possible and it's just your eye making it up. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when you look, want to look at an artifact, you think, oh, I'll just zoom in and I'll see what the problem is and then I can fix it in the code. You zoom in and you see all these pixels that are not constant value anymore. There's ridges everywhere mm-hmm. and you don't know what to do anymore. Because you've blown it up so big you've created edges where there were none before and the eye is, and the brain is really weird about edges. Your, your eye is just making it up and so that it's almost impossible to even look at it anymore. But you know there's something there because when you're playing it, you just see that little pop happening and, uh, and which is distracting. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's both. It's on one end, you can do a lot and your eye says, yeah, it's fine. And the other hand, there's these little glitches that just happen and it's just distracting. 
That's it for part two of the Science Talk series on Blue Sky Studios. Don't forget to check in for part three coming your way very soon. I'm Steve Mursky. I feel so puny.